This program was produced with the support of StoryHive, creativity connected by TELUS. For more information, please visit storyhive.com. In most card games, there's this tension between concealing and revealing, holding onto your cards, trying to guess what your opponent is holding, and at the right time, putting them smack down to get the winning draw. And this goes for everything from poker to Yu-Gi-Oh! But in our relationships, in our friendships, at work, we want our cards to be put on the table. We want to know what we're getting into and let other people know what they're getting into. So this first episode is me putting my cards on the table. It's me trying to tell you about three specific ones in my hand. Why tell these stories? Stories about the Canadian Muslim community. Why tell these stories now at this time? And who am I to be doing this telling? The first two questions can be also answered by a question. It's one I want you to think about for a moment. When was the last time you heard or read or saw a story about Muslims that wasn't a tragedy? either a geopolitical tragedy overseas or the news about a hate crime or even as perpetrators of tragedies. Given the fact that Muslims only comprise 3.2% of the Canadian population according to a 2011 statistic, there's a lot of people who are our neighbors, our co-workers, who've never really met us or interacted with us and all they hear are these stories tinged with anxiety and the impact of these stories is enormous upon the Canadian Muslim population. Because if you yourself associate stories about you and your identity with dread, then anytime you enter into the public sphere, that's always going to be in the back of your mind. This has become truer and truer every year in Canada. In 2017, we had the shooting within Quebec City that left six Muslim men and five others injured. Their names were Ibrahima Berry, Muhammadu Berry, Khalid Belkhasimi, Abu Bakr Tabti, Abdul Krim Hassan, and Azadeen Sufyan. Many of us still recall and are deeply distressed by the very recent murder of the Afsal and Salman family. Salman Afsal, his wife Madiha Salman, their 15-year-old daughter Yumna, and her 74-year-old grandmother, Talat Afsal, they were killed while they were just taking a walk, run over while the nine-year-old son, Fayaz, was seriously injured and left orphaned. And it goes on and on. Within the 2020 and 2021 year alone, in Alberta, there's been a rise in hate crimes against Muslim women, particularly Muslim women who wear the hijab and Black Muslim women. What this speaks to among many other issues is the power of stories because many of the perpetrators of these crimes and other worldwide shootings were found to consume certain media outlets and figures who at their core are storytellers they're telling stories that are meant to fill others about fear and hatred for the muslim community but this fear trickles down even into well-meaning people Again, if you fundamentally associate anxiety 
with yourself or your neighbors, it's really hard to cultivate bonds of love and trust and camaraderie. So in many ways, this is my attempt to tell other stories, stories about who Canadian Muslims really are in all their diversity and their excellence and what they contribute to our society and what issues they're going through and how they navigate that through their faith identity. This leaves the last question, which is whom I, Hussein, to be telling this story. So let me tell you a little bit about myself. My name is Hussein, and you're listening to Chicken Soup for the Muslim Room. In order for me to tell you about the story of how this podcast came to be, I need to tell you about how failing out of school was the best thing that ever happened to me. Okay, maybe I need to walk a few steps back. Specifically, let me walk 26 years worth of steps back. I was born in Hyderabad, Pakistan, and when I was seven years old, I came to Canada with my family. As long as I can remember, stories and storytelling became my refuge. When I was in Pakistan, I had a life-threateningly bad case of asthma. So I would spend my days holed up inside my room, consuming comic books and cartoons and movies and novels. When my family came to Canada, that didn't really change. Fitting in was difficult for a lot of immigrant kids. But the few good friends I made, we bonded over these radioactive stories that had infected and enlivened our imaginations. I was always obsessed with the possibility that I could too participate in this magic. So I would write comics and staple them together. I would make stop motion movies. When I turned 13, my dad won a small little camera in a raffle. So I started a vlog channel. By the time I got to high school, I had my first podcast up and running, which was basically me and my friends pretending like we knew anything about film. The title of it was the Big Kahuna Burger Podcast. So if you know, you know. Despite this obsession with consuming and wanting to create stories, I didn't feel like I had a compelling one of my own. My adopted hometown, Edmonton, Alberta, felt like less of a city and a really, really big town. If you're from there, you'll know exactly what I mean. So I need to get out, see the real world, which for an Alberta boy like me meant going either to Toronto or Vancouver. I applied to a bunch of universities and gone to UBC. So my family packed our bags, we got in our little SUV, and we drove all the way over to British Columbia. I went from a sheltered, middle-class upbringing to being alone in a city by myself for the first time. To put it politely, school kicked my derriere. There were good times though. I made the type of friends I always wanted. I fell in love for the first time. But with each year, this anxiety started to develop in the pit of my stomach. Like I wasn't cut out for this. Like I didn't really belong. This anxiety turned into a really deep depression. I started sleeping in, missing classes, asking for deadlines over and over again to be extended, and not even being them half the time. 
at the time, mental health wasn't really discussed that much. This is a pretty recent phenomenon that I think we oftentimes forget. And there's still a lot of stigma discussing this stuff. I didn't have words like anxiety and depression until a few years into university. And likewise, it took a while for people who cared about me to adopt that vocabulary themselves. The cost of this slow journey of young adulthood and navigating these issues was the slow and eventual degradation of my major relationships. Like a lot of people silently suffering due to a mental illness, I didn't know how to ask for help. And so I watched as my major friends, my first girlfriend, all of those relationships fell one by one. But like a lot of people, what anchored me was the discovery or the rediscovery of faith. I was born into a Muslim family, but I didn't know much about the religion. I didn't really practice it. I started really attending uh, Friday prayers and connecting with the Muslim community out of a sense of loneliness. And while that community has layers of complexity and issues, as you will hear in these episodes, I saw something that united all these nuanced and flawed, yet deeply kind and welcoming people, that their faith gave them a language, a set of rituals to make sense of the world and live in a dignified way. It hooked my curiosity and I was like, well, let me try this being a Muslim thing for real this time. For a long time, that worked. And yet, despite my gratitude to that community, I've never felt like I could really fit in there. And it was too much. I had been in school for almost six years now. I had flipped through so many different relationships and communities. It all came to a boiling point, And I flunked out of every one of my major classes. Because of that, for a year, I was on probation. I was kicked out of school. I couldn't create that compelling story I wanted to. I was back at square one in Edmonton. This felt like the end of everything I'd worked so hard for and the confirmation of all those anxious, doubting whispers about myself. I couldn't hack in the big city. I couldn't maintain my relationships. I couldn't connect and build new ones. It felt like a punishment and a very deserving one. Yet something strange happened. Without the pressure to do well in school, I started exploring the city. I started connecting with the Edmonton Muslim community. I started praying again and volunteering. And I saw again that light that illuminated the hearts of all these people. Again, despite being raised in a Muslim family, I felt and still do feel like a convert, like a newcomer to the community. I didn't grow up meeting Muslim social workers or psychologists or artists. And this desire to create flickered again within me to tell these people's stories. Back then on my commute, all over the city, I had a lot of time on my hands. So I started listening to podcasts. 
this really intimate medium where you're hearing people's voice and breath, it made me think about how most of the podcasts about and by the Muslim community really aren't at the ground level. They're very intellectualized or they're more about the host personalities as they navigate all sorts of life topics. But it didn't really teach me anything about the actual people on the ground, people who I was meeting and now working with, who I thought were making a real difference. And most of these podcasts weren't even local to Canada anyways. So the idea for what you're listening to now hatched in my mind a few years ago. I wrote up a treatment. I made a really bad logo in Apple Preview, which is like Microsoft Paint. And I just sat on the idea. This year of exile made me feel connected to that sense of community I'd been looking for. I started making those friends and they didn't go anywhere. I came back to school and I ended up getting some of the best grades of my life. In the summers and during the pandemic, I returned to Edmonton. It was actually my boss at this charity I worked for who told me about Tell a Story Hive and sent me a link to the application for their first podcast edition. I applied on a whim and to be honest, I didn't finish my application until the night before it was due. I recorded the pitch video on my phone, super sleep deprived, having it leaning against my laptop, doing take after take after take. I knew I wasn't going to get the grant. I didn't really expect that, but it was part of me wanting to get in the habit of making things again. Morning, pretty much right after I woke up, I was checking my phone, checking my email, and I saw that TELUS was interested in developing the story. I literally jumped out of bed. I yelled. I told my family. I called my friends. I couldn't believe it. I still don't believe it. But the thing is, I wouldn't have gotten the inspiration, much less the link to this opportunity if I didn't fail out of school, if I didn't take that forced time off. In this way, one of the worst experiences I ever had led to one of the greatest ones I'm having right now. And this leads to a secret card, a card I've been holding up my sleeve. The truth is this podcast is for three types of people. It's for Canadians in general who want to know more about the Muslim community, who want to hear stories that aren't tragic or anxious or violent, who want to connect to this community. It's for people who are of this community, who want to hear something about themselves, who want to know what's going on on the ground within Canadian Muslim communities, within people who are doing important work within these communities. But there's also this third secret, well now not so secret person who I'm hoping will be listening to this. It's for young artists, for young creatives, for people who didn't grow up with the resources or environment where they were really encouraged to or believe that they could make something, who feel like they're really far behind because they haven't gone that success yet. Maybe like me, you struggled in school or something happened with your mental health or, or something else and you feel 
unworthy. You feel like you're never going to make it. Like you can't bounce back from this horrible thing that's happened. And if you're listening to this, I want to tell you that that's not true. You can make that podcast, that movie, that film, that novel, that really niche essay collection, or that YouTube channel, whatever it is. If you're listening to this, if you're looking for a sign, something to tell you to keep on going, this is it. This is that sign. Okay, so you know the backstory behind pretty much every facet of this podcast by now, except the name. What's up with the name? Well, I worked through a few different titles. I knew what I wanted this podcast to feel like before I could come up with what it was titled. I wanted to feel warm. I wanted to feel soulful, something that contained vulnerability and intimacy. Something that felt maybe a little hot to touch, but over time cooled into something hearty and full of life. I realize what I'm describing is a bowl of soup. I'm a big soup person. I just didn't know how to work soup into a podcast title until just out of nowhere of all the books I consumed growing up, I remembered those chicken soup for the blank, blank soul books. You know what I'm talking about. If by any chance the publishers of this series are listening, A, I'm a huge fan. B, please, please don't sue me. But I realized in all seriousness that that's what I wanted this podcast to feel like, to hear stories of ordinary people from this community that were soulful and the word for soul that I grew up with in the Arabic and the Urdu language is ru, R-U-H. And so that is the story of what you're listening to. This is Chicken Soup for the Muslim Ru, and I'm Hussein. And I can't wait for you to listen to the rest of this. This program was produced with the support of TELUS.